0: Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. This is week three of our sermon series, "Finding High. Today's message is titled Responding in the Face of Opposition. We hope you enjoy the week. Amen. Good morning. Oh, man, you guys sound alive and well. For those of you that don't know me, what just Happen. All right. Okay. My job is done. God bless you. Have a great week. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, you know what? I'm going to just take it for what it is. The Bible says this, that God inhabits the praises of his people. So, so be it. Praise God. Praise God. Um, Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose, and I am the lead pastor here at Church of the Bridge. I just want to extend to each and every one of you a very warm welcome. Our heart here is simply to point people back to Jesus, man. We're not here to give you a doctrine. We're not here to complicate this gospel. We're not here to impose rules upon you. We are here to simply point you to the word of God because it's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that renews our mind and our understanding. We're not trying to impose anything upon you. We're simply giving you the word of God. And as you continue to intake it and it begins to impact your belief system, it begins to change your mindset. It begins to change your approach to life. That's how this works, ladies and gentlemen. So thank you for the privilege and the honor to serve you today. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled Flying High, Flying High. And uh, what we've been talking about is really practical steps that we see directly from God's word that equip us to discover the vision that God has for our lives. Now, I want to be very clear with you, and I just want to share a thought with you, maybe something that you've never considered, and it's this. That God has a specific purpose and vision for your life. Now, I want to just throw out a rhetorical question out there. I want you to consider this. Are you living life on purpose? Hear what I'm saying. Is your life so defined by a vision that it fulfills you, it sustains you, it equips you, it propels you, it compels you to step out of where you've been and what you've known and what you've done and what you struggle with, and it it causes something to burst within you that causes you to go out and be a difference maker. You might say, well, yeah, I don't know about all that. I'm just happy with my job. I'm not knocking you. No condemnation in that. But I will say this to you, that the Scriptures declare this, that before the foundations of the earth, God knew you. The scriptures declare this, that while you were still yet in the womb, he knew you by name. The scriptures declare that before the foundations of the earth, he set you apart for his purposes. The scriptures declare that he knows the plan that he has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. I share all these things with you, not, not to spit scripture out or whatever. I share this with you because I don't know that we ever really stop to think that way? That there's a specific purpose for my life, a vision that God wants me to get a hold of. And today what I I, want to simply do is this. I want to just simply challenge you to open your heart and your mind and to reason with the Word of God and to allow the Word of God to go there, wherever that is, and be open to seeing something from the Word that you've never thought about before. Is that okay? Can we do that? If you're all right with that, go ahead and slap somebody a high five. All right? Some of you slapping yourself a high five. There's plenty of people around you. (laughs) So listen, God designed you and I to rise above the challenges of life, to live with purpose and on purpose, to affect change, to be a difference maker. And I, I'm, I can't tell you, and, and my job here is not to tell you, this is specifically what God is calling you to. That's between you and God. But what I want to propose to you today is the word of God in a way that will it, will, it will cause you to go back to God. Go back to his word. And see what God would speak directly to you. Directly to you. You're not done yet, by the way. Somebody needed to hear that. You are not done. There's more in store for you. So much more than what you... Some people have told you you're done. No, you're not. You're just getting started. The Bible puts it this way. That your latter days will be be better than your former ones. The Bible says this. That the old is gone. Behold, the new is come. It's time to start beholding something new. Amen? Oh, man. This is going to be one of those services. I already feel it. So listen... The truth is this, that to to really get a hold of the vision that God has for your life, to fly high in life, we've got to really consider what God has to say. We've got to get a hold of who God is in our life. And our discussion over the past couple of weeks has been based upon the life of a man named Nehemiah. This is a guy who was a captive, was captive in a land called Babylon. And the way that went about was simply this, that The people of Israel began to, God's people began to seek God in other places. Here's what I mean by that. They began to replace God, not that you ever could, but they began to set other things in their life with more importance. They began to follow the mindsets of the surrounding nations around them. They began to falter in many ways, and so what it did was it opened the door for this empire, the Babylonians, to come and to wreak havoc in their lives. So much so to such an extent that they came upon this place called Jerusalem. It was a central place of worship. It was more than just a city. It was a symbol that God was for his people and that they were to be used mightily by him. Nations, the scriptures tell us, trembled at hearing that Israel was in town. The sad thing is that as the Babylonians came in, they not only destroyed the walls of Jerusalem, they not only destroyed the temple, the central place of worship, in the midst of all this, what was also destroyed was the hearts of the people of God. These people not only fell for the lie that their circumstances dictated to them, these people turned away from God. They turned away from God. They settled not just in the rubble of the walls, but they settled in the rubble of disbelief and, and challenges and all these things to such an extent that they turned away from God. And as we'll see, they began to band with other things. They, they turned away from each other. And so where we've been over the last couple of weeks is that we see that this guy Nehemiah was uh, captive in Babylon, but he was kind of like a step above all the other people of Israel. This guy lived in the palace in service to the king, a guy named Artaxerxes. And you might think, well, hey, you know, he had it better. I wouldn't mind being in his position. Let me tell you something about this guy, Nehemiah. He was a cup bearer, right? That didn't mean that he just held cups. You know what that meant? It meant that his job was this. Get this. Let me see if you want to apply for this job. His job was to taste test. Whatever was served to the king to drink before he drank it for the simple purpose of finding out if it was poison. How's that for a promotion? That was was the job of a cupbearer. And he was supposed to do it with utter joy, right? Now, this king, Artaxerxes, had context for having this cupbearer because what you might not know is that history reveals that his father before him was assassinated by way of poisoning, through a drink. And so this guy, Nehemiah, was captive, and, you know, he was a a step above everybody else, the people of Israel that were still uh, in Babylon and even those that were dispersed. But the thing about it is this, that Nehemiah could have done what some of us would do, say, well, you know what? I'm better off than most people, so I'm good. And what the Scriptures reveal is that, no, Nehemiah was not cut from that cloth, just like you are not cut from that cloth. You see, God introduced a circumstance, a situation, brought to his attention something that began to press upon the very inner core of who he is. Nehemiah hears that the people of Jerusalem are in ruins. He hears that the city of Jerusalem is destroyed. He hears that there's no longer worship unto God. And it begins to press so much so on his heart that as we saw in the last couple of weeks, Nehemiah begins to pray. And not only does he pray, he plans. And he seeks the opportunity to get before this king, Artaxerxes, to speak to him about what God was beginning to reveal to him. In week one, we learned this. We learned that you are a solution waiting to happen. Let me tell you something about a vision from God. When there is a vision from God, it will place you in a position where you most likely are the only one that sees the need. Maybe others might see it, but you're the only one burdened, pressed upon to do something about it. There's a specific place that you belong. Now, let me just say this, lest we be so spiritually high that we're no earthly good. I want you to think about this. Maybe you're there right now. Oh, I'm just taking care of my grandkids. Well, if you didn't, who would? Maybe you just you know, you, 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 you go to work and you're raising a family, but th- th- there's something about that person that you sit next to on the train. There's something about that family that lives across from you. There's something about the children that you see. There's something about a community. There's, there's something that, that you see that no one else sees and you feel compelled to do something about. See, when you got a vision from God, you got to understand something, that God will reveal The solution to you. And here's the thing. That the solution waiting to happen is not God. It's not you waiting on God. It's God waiting on you. It's God waiting on you. I dare say this. Genuine love. I believe that for some of us, God's saying to you, I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you. Never mind what that pastor said. Never mind what Bishop Bucketmouth said. Never mind prophet so-and-so. Listen, this is between you and God. And God designed you specifically with a vision in mind. Last week we learned that you are positioned for life. This guy Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he comes with all these resources and all, all this provision that the king provided for him. But when he gets there, he quickly discovers that nobody's excited about the vision. The people of Israel aren't jumping, saying, yay, and he's got plenty of enemies. And I believe it's verse 11 in Nehemiah chapter 2 says that Nehemiah is talking to the people, and as he's speaking amongst the nobles and and even some people that are wealthy and the people of Israel, it says that he realizes that they, he, he says, I was speaking to the people and they did not know what God had placed in my heart. And then he says this. He says that the people he was talking to were the people that would do the work. Let me say something to you. When you're pursuing a vision from God, sometimes you might feel like no one else sees it. No one else understands. But I want you to understand this, that the point of success in pursuing the vision that God has for your life does not begin, is not reached when you get there and you accomplish something. The point of success is the moment you say yes to God. And I believe that there are some of us today that what we need to really do is respond to God and say, yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Today. See, that's when you're most successful. That's the peak, the pinnacle of success, when we begin to follow what God has for us. Amen? And so today, man, that was a long introduction, but you guys started it. Ah, uh, I'll try to, res- I'm going to respect your time, but today our discussion leads us to this simple topic. It's a topic of responding in the face of opposition. And I want you to consider this statement that every great vision comes with opposition. Every great vision comes with opposition. Every great vision, especially a vision that's God-bred, that's ordained by God. Jesus put it this way, in this life, you will have trouble. You'll have tribulation. He says, but rejoice, I've overcome. Many times we see challenges and what we say is, it can't be God. Don't give up on the vision that God has placed in your heart. See, Booker T. Washington was born a slave back in the 1800s and he was deprived of education. But that didn't stop him from founding the first school in Alabama devoted to training up and raising up African-American slaves to be teachers and paving a pathway for people to rise. Helen Keller succumbed to blindness and deafness at a young age due to scarlet fever, yet she did not subject herself to her debilities And she went on to become an activist. She wrote over 12 books. She led a life uh, that that still inspires millions to this day. She was the first blind and deaf person to ever earn a bachelor's degree. To this day, her life still speaks to many. And everybody knows Walt Disney, right? Walt Disney, you heard of him, right? You guys know what he's known for the most, right? The rat. (laughs) I went to uh, Orlando one time. And I couldn't help but notice that everything was about the mouse. And so I was like Mickey Rat. You know, just everything's about... Not, I don't know about you, but I don't get excited about rodents. But anyway, let's move right along. Let's get back to the text. Don't mind me. That was just me on my soapbox. But anyway, Walt Disney. The man behind the dream that is today called Disney World. A dream that touches the lives of millions and excites the hearts and minds of children through animation. This man once worked for a newspaper and the editor-in-chief told him, you lack imagination and you have no good ideas. Listen, this guy went on to leave that newspaper and start several businesses, all which failed. As a matter of fact, he ended in bankruptcy only to find himself animating characters like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and educate me whatever else it is right listen he went on to become the recipient of over 22 academy awards my point simply is this that a vision from god is not a guarantee to a smooth ride ladies and gentlemen but it is a guarantee that you will succeed it is a guarantee that you will succeed let me put that to you another way you can follow where god is leading you and bet your bottom dollar that you will succeed that's the wisest investment you could ever make trust god seek god follow the vision that God is revealing to you and has for your life. The, the words of Abraham Lincoln warrant reflection for us here where he simply says this, my great concern is not whether we have failed, but whether you are content with your failure. See, it's not if we'll have to deal with the failure that should be our primary concern in pursuing the vision that God has for us. It's how we'll respond that should be our most Primary concern in that regard, and so today I want to say something to you that you can face whatever comes your way. I said, you can face whatever comes your way. Go ahead and encourage somebody around you. you tell them you can face whatever comes your way. I think some of us need to hear that. you can face whatever comes your way, you can face whatever comes your way, you can face whatever comes your way now. I don't want you to just get excited based upon what I'm saying to you. Listen, I want you to see what God says about this. Psalm 27 verses 1 through 3 says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me. My heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Come on, somebody. You need to think about what God is telling you here today. Listen, I want you to consider the words of the psalmist here inspired by God. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Listen, opposition has a way of dimming the lights on a vision from God if we're not careful. I want you to think about dimmers. Any, any of you have those in your house where you just dim the lights, right? Most of the time, here's what you're trying to do when you're dimming the lights. You're trying to change the mood. You're trying to relax, right? You're trying to create a different vibe for yourself, right? But here's what happens in the process, right? You're changing the environment. You're changing the mood, but you're also changing your visibility. Where once you were clear on the call that you have in life as revealed by God in his word, Those things that the Spirit of God is speaking directly to you even right now and reminding you of. Where once you were clear on that direction, on that that word from God, now you struggle to see. Where once you held on with hope, now maybe you feel a little hopeless. And what I say to you is this, that in the face of opposition, you not only have a light, you have your salvation at work because the Lord is your stronghold. That's what the scriptures declare. Listen, the thing about it is this. Storms will come, but in the presence of God, you can always bet your bottom dollar that you are safe, that you are secure, that you are covered under the shadow of his wings. Listen, you don't have to believe that. You don't have to believe in Jesus. But what I will say is this to you, that God wants to be your strength. God wants to cover you and shield you and show you peace is. God wants to give you vision for life. So the next time you find yourself questioning, if you can, and if what God has shown you is true, flip the script. Ask yourself this question, of whom shall I be afraid? What do I have to fear? God is my stronghold. Listen, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 puts it this way. It says, consider it pure joy. Somebody say "Pure pure joy. Now, you remember that. It says, consider it pure joy. But watch when, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face troubles of many kinds, whenever you find yourself in trials, consider it pure joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Listen, in the face of challenges... I want you to see something that, in the face of challenges, when you're pursuing the vision that God has for your life, you have to remember that opposition is an opportunity. Let me tell you what I mean it's an opportunity, according to the verses here, it's an opportunity to produce something as you exercise your faith something greater. It's an opportunity to see the power of perseverance. It's an opportunity to mature and be completed and grow up. It's an opportunity to see God's miraculous supply. It's an opportunity to see greater things in your life. And so I want to turn back to James chapter one, if we could just put up verse two, please. And I want you to see what it says. It says, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, Of many kinds. You know what the scripture is literally saying there in the Greek? When it says consider it pure joy, it's saying Celebrate. Celebrate. You know what we do when we when we have trials? some of me come on and watch this we we start calling all these prayer warriors right and we start casting all these devils out and we start fretting about how's this all gonna work out and what am i gonna do and i gotta stand up and i gotta protect myself and i gotta i gotta make my battle clear and i gotta stand my ground and i've gotta i've I've gotta avenge myself and here's what the scripture says let's cut that Because you get all excited, you get all hyped, you get all ready to fight. And watch what God says. Stop. See the opportunity and celebrate. Watch this. That in the midst of this trial, you get the privilege and the opportunity to exercise your faith and grow. Listen. I know what some of us have been taught or told. I know that some of us, we've grown up in such a way that, you know, yeah, I'm a fighter. You just don't understand. You know, I'm a a hard person. I'm a strong woman. I'm I'm a tough man. You know, I'm macho. Listen to God's opinion. He says, just consider it pure joy. Put up verse 1, please. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Guess what? You apply whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And after perseverance, patience is worked out of you. I'm not talking about working on your nerves. I'm talking about your your walking in peace and patience. He says this, let perseverance finish its work. Watch this. So that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Listen closely. Opposition is an opportunity for faith. Opposition is an opportunity for growth. Opposition is an opportunity for maturity. Opposition is an opportunity that's preparation for the plan, the vision, and the purpose for your life. Listen to what Philippians 4, 12, and 13 says. Some of you, you are Bible veterans. You could quote this backwards. You could do it that way. You know this so well. Let me read it to you in proper English. But I want you to see something here. Philippians 4, 12, and 13 says this. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being confident in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. If you've ever quoted this or you know this scripture, I want you to read this with me. I can do all things, all this through him who gives me strength. Now listen, in Christian circles where we speak Christianese, we get all excited about that verse. I can do all things, brother. (laughs) Got to add a little flavor to that, you know. Got to give it a little emphasis. Woo! can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We get excited about that. Let me teach you something here real quick. Let me teach you something here real quick. He says this. You can't have verse 13 without understanding verse 12. God is speaking through the life of a man who knows challenges. In another portion of scriptures, he says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not struck down. We're perplexed, but we're not destroyed. In other words, this guy, this is, this is a guy, this guy, Paul, is a guy who was killed a few times and left for dead and rose up. This is a guy who knew what it was to be pursued, to be hunted down, to, to, to have opposition on every side at every juncture of the way. And Paul says this, there's a secret. There's a secret. See, everyone goes through need, right? Everyone knows what it is to have wants, right? We all know what it is to go through difficulty. But I want you to hear something. And I want to speak specifically. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to know that this is important for you to know and grasp. And if you, whether you're here for the first time, this whole Jesus deal is new to you, you're watching online, I want you to get this, that the, the beauty of what I'm about to share with you is that God wants to do all things in your life, but it's with his strength. See, everyone goes through need, everyone knows what it is to have wants, everyone goes through difficulty, but you, believer, you, child of God, you who call Jesus your personal Lord and Savior can face whatever comes your way because you can do what others can't. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Get this. You can't miss this point. This is so good. You can't miss this. You can do all things through Christ who is your strength. Not everyone can do that. I'm going to tell you why not everyone can do that. You got to understand what Paul's saying here. He says, I know what it is to be in want, to be hungry, to lack. And yet in the midst of all that, I, I have a secret that I want to share with you a secret that will help you in the midst of that. He says, I'm not relying on anything but Christ. And he says, and so then he goes on to say, so I can do all things, but watch this, through Christ who strengthens me. And many times what we do is we'll take a verse like this and we just use it to pump, pump, pump you up. Right? Got to stir up my faith up from the belly. And I want you to see something. That the only thing that we're called to stir up is the strength that we derive from a confidence and belief solely in Christ, not our own. And so the reason why you can and some, of, some people can't is because not everyone relies upon the strength of Christ. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where we have a lot of people that are believers, but can I give you a Can I just share a little newsflash? Is that okay? Everybody say this with me. I love love Pastor Jose. Jose. Now, remember you said it because I'm going to share something that might ruffle your feathers, right? Believers believe. Believers believe. And I'll tell you why I say that to you. Because for you to live in the strength of Christ it's got to be more something than more, more something more than just what we say. It's got to be something that's at our very core. See, no matter what the circumstance is that'll come your way, no matter what the opposition that comes your way, what you'll discover is this: that in Christ, in His strength, you can, you will, you must. Amen. And so, for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to. Draw your attention to the book of Nehemiah, and I just want to quickly go through this. I just have three little points I want to leave you with, and I promise we'll be out of here. But the very first thing that we see is that what's in your heart is crucial to the vision that God has for you. What's in your heart is crucial to the vision that God has for you. Listen closely to what we're talking about here. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1. Through six says this when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are these those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Listen closely to this. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Here's the kicker. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height. Watch this. For the people worked with all their hearts. I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because what we see here is that half of this wall is already built. And in the midst of this wall being built, what's also happening is that the faith of these people is being built. And so as this wall's going up, what we see is that they're facing much opposition. There's death threats coming their way. And you'll see in a minute that they even get to a point where they're ready to give up. They're facing much opposition. But listen closely to this. The reason why this wall kept going up wasn't because of the hammers they were using wasn't because of the tools they had, wasn't because of the mortar, wasn't because of the nails, wasn't because of their strength. It was simply because of one thing. These people were building with belief. Listen closely to verse 6 again and watch what it says. It says this, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. Watch this. For the people worked with all their heart. These people were facing much opposition, but they believed, I'm here because God called me to it. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter who assents to what God has called you to. It doesn't matter who approves of what God has called you to. It doesn't matter what anyone tells you, what opinion they might share. Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got them. Right? Even me. All of us. But here's my point. You don't need the opinion of men. What you need is the voice of God. What you need is the vision that God has called you to. And when you know that you know that you know and you don't care about what anybody else knows or what they think you need to know, but you only know what God has shown you, what he's revealed to you in his word, what he's confirmed to you by his spirit, what he's showing you for the future, what he's calling you to. When you know that you know that you know that you know and I don't care what you know or what you know or what you know because I know what God told me. When that's where you are and you are set on belief, you can build the vision with God that he's called you to. You'll see it rise. You'll see it rise. Listen to the words of Jesus. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Matthew 7, 24 through through 27, we're not going to read all of it. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house... On the rock. Notice who built the house. Notice who's doing something with what he hears. That's you and me. But then he goes on to say in verse 25, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Watch this. Because it had its foundation on the rock. What rock? Let me point your attention back to verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine, watch this, and puts them into practice. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about more than just hearing God's word. It's talking about belief leading to action. And what I place before you today is this, that what's in your heart is crucial to the vision that God has given you. You don't need tools. You don't need money. You don't need uh, this person's opinion or that person's opinion. You don't need what Google says is best. You don't need what Wikipedia says you should do. You definitely don't need what people tell you on social media. i tell you what we need. What we need is to believe truth. Truth that sets us free. Truth that's based upon God's word. Truth that comes by revelation of his spirit. Truth that will pave a pathway Enlighten the path before us. You know, I got to tell you, man. Here I go, deviating from my notes. But I'm gonna tell you something. Um, I, I get it, man. That for some of us, it's like, but you don't get my challenge, man. You don't understand how hard it is. I've said this before, and I will say it again. I believe that there are ministries here that that are, 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 are in formulation. I believe that there's pastors right here and world changers sitting right here. I believe that there are men and women that will lead by example and, and demonstrate and show what it means to be a godly husband and wife, what it means to be people that can love people regardless of where they've been and can lead them to higher ground, to the, to the face of God. I believe that there are people right here in this place that are destined to impact this world. You know, everybody hears about Billy Graham, but nobody hears about the old woman that ministered to him as as his Sunday school teacher. Listen closely. You're here right now. Maybe the reason why you came here is for that specific reason. Because you've aborted. You've tried to abort a vision that God has placed within you. And it's time to wake up. I remember when we, when we started this church, and, and I know for those of you that have been here, you go, here we go again. Let me tell you, man, I know what opposition is. Because when we came to this city, everything and everyone, even, even, even in the church, you don't fit here. You don't belong here. All because we dared to just keep the word practical. To not lead by what we preach, but by how we live. To dare to give a city something different. To paint a picture of something possible with God. To dare to partner with community and organizations, regardless of what they believe. Listen, we're not compromising what we believe. I sat in a meeting once a couple of years back with the superintendent when he first came in. And there was something that we, we got involved in a couple of years back. And he says to me, now, Pastor, you know, I just, just want to be clear that, you know, uh, you can't proselytize when, you, when we do this event. And I said, sir, I don't, need to, I, I don't need to tell people about Jesus. I just need to be like him. That's right. And he looked at me. Guess what? That same superintendent sat right there in those chairs. Came in. That same superintendent, we still talk. And I have opportunity to encourage and to point him back to the word. So what I'm saying to you is this, Say, listen, there will be naysayers and there will be opposition, but you stand and you believe and you build with your faith in God because what God declares, he says his word will not return to him empty. It will accomplish what he sent it for. for. I didn't say that. God says that. In Nehemiah 4, verses 7 through 9, here's what we see. It says, but when Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabs... The Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Watch this. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. The second point that I want to leave you with here is this, that a vision that starts on your knees will cause you to stand in the face of opposition. I'm going to say that again. A vision that starts on your knees, talking about prayer, will cause you to stand in the face of opposition. Hear clearly what I'm saying, notice again verse 9. It says, but we prayed. So all this opposition is coming. All these death threats are coming. And here's the first thing they do. They don't say, now mind you, we'll see, they do go and grab their swords and all that. But watch what they do before they even set up a guard. They prayed. They turn to God. They turn to God. Listen, in the face of opposition to what God is calling you to, what God's revealing to you, is your initial reaction to put on the gloves and fight? Or is it to depend upon God and seek wisdom and direction from the God who freely gives it? You know, in John 17, and we're not going to turn there, In John 17, we see that Jesus is at the cusp of what God is calling him to. Jesus is about to be crucified, die, a horrible death, be numbered amongst sinners in a grave. According to Colossians, go to the very depths of hell and announce freedom to the captives and then rise again. He's at the cusp of what God called him to, the vision that God had for his life and for the life of many others through what he would do. And the Bible says in John 17 that before Jesus endeavors upon this next mile, the last mile to the journey, he prays. He turns to the Father and he prays. Man, I don't have time to get into this, but I want you to, I want you to go there in your own time. And what you're going to see is that Jesus didn't just pray for himself. He didn't just pray for the disciples, but he prayed for you and me. I want you to look around this room for a moment. Just look around, behind you, in front of you, all around you. And I want you to see the power of prayer in the face of opposition. I want you to see that there are new lives raised up because somebody dared to pray. Instead of trying to defend himself. I want you to see that God has always had you on his heart. And he says, son, daughter, there's something that I have for you. But before you go and pick up your sword and your spear. And you decide that you're going to go fight this battle on your own. Lead on your knees. Turn to me. Trust me. When, the, when Nehemiah and the people... We're pressed on every side. They pushed back with prayer. We can do the same. We can do the same. I leave you with this final thought. Let's turn real quick to Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 11 through 21. And we'll quickly read it, and we'll wrap up. It says, also our enemies before they, uh, also our, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over. Watch how afraid these people got. They didn't just say it once. they, They went over it again and again and again and again and again. And watch what they say. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, We all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Verse 16, from that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me, says Nehemiah. Verse 19, then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Listen closely. Our God will fight for us. Verse 21, so we continued the work with half the men holding spears, From the first light of dawn to the stars came out. I want you to see something here. That in the face of opposition, remember that you can't fight alone. You can't fight alone, ladies and gentlemen. I'm I'm, I'm actually setting you up for next week. Because what we're going to see is in Nehemiah 5, when we pick up next week, that these people begin to tear one another up. They begin to neglect each other's needs. They begin to quarrel amongst each other, and it begins to wreak havoc. They lost sight that the way God works is through his people. Let me prove that to you. Let me prove that to you. Now, mind you, I told you that you can't fight alone. When you're going to face opposition and you're pursuing the vision that God has for you, you can't fight alone. And the reason why is because there's a great strength for us among us. I want you to do this one more time. I know, making you a little uncomfortable. Look around the room. Look around. Not just the person you came with. There's strength among us. There's power in people called by God. There's great resources available unto you by God. The people were all focused on the work at hand, but they were attentive to every one person. Notice what the scripture says. It says that Nehemiah said, man, this is extensive work and it's well spread out. We're far from one another. So whenever you hear the trumpet, he says, you rally there to the weak point and we'll strengthen one another. But watch why this is most important. Put up verse 20 again, please. Watch what it says. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Watch how God fights. So he says says to the people, grab your swords, grab your shields, grab your spears, work and defend one another, right? Do the work while you're on guard. But then he says, and when the trumpet sounds, you show up there, but watch what happens when you show up there as one body. Our God will fight for us. Come on now. Come on now. We cannot let that go by. We cannot neglect that truth. When you show up, God shows up and fights for us. Listen closely. God has a vision for your life. And once you start pursuing it, you'll you'll either face the opposition or run from it. Today I want to encourage you that you can face the opposition and you can win when you pursue the vision that God has for your life. Because God's with you. Because it's His vision. And what He decrees and He declares, He brings to pass. It's time that we catch up with what God's already revealed. It's time that there be some renewing in this mind. Let's stand today. Heavenly Father, today we come to you in the name of Jesus. I want you to do something with me right now. I want you to just take a moment to close your eyes. Don't worry about it. We're not going to do anything creepy. Nobody's going to dig your pockets, nobody's even focusing on you. I want you to just take a moment to just quiet yourself quiet your mind, quiet your heart. To turn the volume down on the circumstances all around you, on the opposition that presses on you so. And to take a moment to consider the truth that we've heard. That God has a vision and purpose for you that he's calling you out and he's saying you go build the scriptures say that he calls us joint heirs and co-laborers get that there's a labor and we play a part in it so why not cooperate today why not get to the place of success and say yes God why not begin to pursue the vision that God has for you Well, I don't know exactly what that vision is. That's okay. Then why not begin to pursue God? Who's the one who knows the plan and will reveal it to you. Today, Lord, we take this moment to simply respond. Listen, for some of you, that might mean you raise a hand. For some of you, that means you just begin to talk to God. For some of you, that means you just begin to uh, become aware and you're thankful of all that God has done and God is doing and you're convinced that God is taking you somewhere. For some of you, It's, man, I've never seen or understood God in this way. And today, I understand that, God, you have a purpose and a plan for my life. And today, I want to pursue that. Wherever you are, you're in a good place. As long as you're turning your vision and your heart to God. As long as you're seeking from God today. I believe that each and every one of us came here on purpose. To discover a greater purpose. I believe that God is speaking to your life and mine. And I believe that from this day forward, there's a vision being raised up in your heart. That where you once gave up on what God showed you many years ago, you're rising up now, rejuvenated, strengthened, saying, I'm taking my mountain. Convinced. (laughs) I love the way the song says that there's another in the fire. And that when the next challenge comes, he'll be there too. Holding back the seas assuring you that he's got you. It's possible that today there are some of us here that maybe this whole deal about God is something new. And today you say, I want to pursue this vision with God. I want what God has for me. I want to know those plans, those plans that are good. Plans that aren't to harm me, but to give me hope in the future. I want to see those plans. If that's where you are, then here's what you recognize. I need a personal relationship with God. I need Jesus Maybe you started on that road when you were young and you walked away from that. Maybe this is your very first time confronting this. I want to say this to you, that God loves you so much that he addressed the issue of sin through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Here's what that means. There was a price to be paid for sin, and you and I couldn't pay it. And so God said, I'll become like them and pay it for them so that they no longer owe me anything. So that they can be free of the guilt and the shame. So they, don't, they no longer have to turn from me, but they can turn to me. And here's how that starts. God, I need you and I recognize that you did it for me through Jesus Christ. If that's where you are, right there, I want you to join us all together in prayer. Watching online in this building. Let's pray this together with heartfelt conviction. Say, Jesus, I believe. You love me. I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you died and rose again. I believe you paid the price for sin. For me. From this day forward. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I declare you're my God. And I declare I'm free of sin. I'm your child. I'm trusting you. And from this day forward, I'm flying high as I pursue your vision for my life. Come on now, if you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate all that God has done in your life. Don't leave here without telling somebody what God has done in your life. We want to walk alongside you. Now, Father, we thank you for new life, for vision, for purpose. And we thank you, Lord, that as you say in your word, Not if God be for us, but because you are for us, who can stand against us? We love you, we praise you, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.